would take your seats. To take your seats, and if you want to go ahead and get ready, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10 and John 13 to start out with. Mark 10 and John 13. Uh, I just want to do a couple quick plugs here before we get going. Don't forget about Christmas Eve service this coming Friday. And uh, also, too, New Year's Eve. I know uh, Renee mentioned it during announcements, but we're really excited about that. Something for all ages. Uh, Jim Barron coming out there from WBCL, and that uh, program starts at 6.30. That's going to be both for uh, you know kids and adults there. It will be a lot of fun if you're not familiar with him. A real neat Christian guy and real neat ministry there on WBCL, and we're excited to see what he's going to do and what's going to happen with that. So that's free, and welcome to everybody. Invite your friends and family. And then following that, something for the uh, little bit older kids. That's going to be going on there till. Uh, Midnight then, and the older kids are going to have the church then to take care of some stuff too. So hope you can make it out for that, and that will be a blessing. All right, let's do the smart thing and have a quick word of prayer here. Uh, Heavenly Fathers, we come to you now. What a wonderful time here this morning just to uh, talk about you, your birth, just seeing those kids. And uh, we really do praise you and thank you for who you are and what you're doing. We just do praise you, Lord, and ask for your blessing upon this teaching and this message through your spirit and your name. Amen. You know, it's always kind of tough when it comes to doing a uh, Christmas message because most everybody's heard the Christmas story so many times before. And, you know, and I know in the uh, years I've been out here teaching, you know, uh, I've done numerous, obviously, Christmas messages. And it's always a blessing to do, but each time I look at it, I try to say, okay, Lord, what, what angle do you want us to go with this? Because we all know the story about Jesus being born in the manger. We know that. And obviously it's a good story. But the reality of really what was happening and what was going on sometimes is a little bit different than what we have in our, our Hollywood version of it. Obviously, when we look at what happened there, the reality of, of Jesus being born, God becoming man, it's absolutely amazing when you stop and you think about that. And the way that he came into the world that way is just absolutely fascinating. Now, I don't know about you, but when you see Hollywood present the birth of Christ, it, it's always so clean, so cut, um, we have obviously four boys, and I can tell you right now, at the birth of those four boys, it was not clean, it was not cut, it was not anything like it. I tell you, um, I'm not picking on my wife, but Mary, after having a baby, boy, she looks good. Um, she's got a nice light blue dress on, she looks real nice and clean, and everything looks good. Uh, I thought my wife looked beautiful after having kids, but she didn't look as good as Mary, I'll tell you that right now. Um, and you know, when you, when you look at this, Mary also, a lot of us, you've got to remember, Mary was probably mid-teens, maybe early teens at that. It's a little bit different story. And it always looks so simple. You know, you have Jesus, you have Mary and Joseph. Just them. Just them in the manger, you know, having the baby. It's kind of a scary thing when you stop and you think about it. Just them. You know, because nowadays, obviously, when someone's having a baby in the hospital, the room is just completely full of people and nurses and medical things, everything going on, all the different types of doctors. But it was just them. I mean, obviously you're thankful for the doctors to be there. They know what they're doing. I know, and it's kind of an interesting note here. I was thinking about this as I was preparing the message, about what Dawn and I went through when we were having our kids and the doctors. And I don't know if this is normal or not, but for us, with each one of our boys, we had a different doctor deliver the baby. So four babies, four different doctors. Um, the first doctor... The best way to describe her was um, she looked like Oprah, she sounded like Oprah, she acted like Oprah. I'm not kidding. Uh, somebody else out here at church had the same doctor, and it's like, really was a lot like Oprah. Um, 
The second doctor was a woman. Never met her. Never met her till the day of the birth. Neither Dawn or I. And we're getting ready to have the baby, and she walks in, and she's the doctor. And, hi, I'm James. Hope you have a medical license. You know, we don't know anything about you. The third doctor um, was one that Dawn did not want. Did not want him, and she kept asking while we're going to the OB appointment, saying, okay, who's on call when they're on call? Because she really didn't want to have this doctor. And um, when got the call, and obviously we went in to have the baby, and they called him in, he showed up, and I'm not kidding, he showed up in pink shorts and a Harley Davidson t-shirt. Um, he had a really bushy mustache and kind of long, scraggly hair. I've kind of uh, joked a little bit before, he's kind of like a mix between John Haney and Marv Allsmiller. So it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like that's, that's who delivered our baby. The fourth, the fourth doctor was our favorite. He was from Scotland. He was from Scotland. And so every time he said push, he said it with an accent. It was kind of like Sean Connery delivering your baby. So obviously the, the birth of Jesus was nothing like what happens nowadays, but just Mary, Joseph, in this stable, having a baby. Now, once again, that's the whole purpose of Christmas, isn't it? The point of Christ being born. But this is where the message takes an interesting turn. I don't know where I first heard this, but the phrase, born to die. Somebody was using that phrase to describe Christ, that Jesus was born to die. And if you think about that from the beginning, that's the reason he came to this earth, was to be born, so that way, 33 years later, he could die. That was his sole purpose. When we look at the manger scene and we look at Christmas, we don't think of that. We think of the story of the cute little baby, of the Joseph and Mary, the shepherds and the angels, we look at that perspective, clean, cut, nice, fun. We don't look at it as being born to die. But yet Christ, he looked at it as being born to die. Here in Matthew chapter 10, verse 45, look at the way he describes his mission. Matthew 10, verse 45. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Look at that one more time. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Mark 10.45, excuse me, I said Matthew, Mark 10.45. Oh, stop moaning. One book to the right. You guys are that lazy. Mark 10.45, sorry. The Son of Man did not come to serve, but, excuse me, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. When you look at it from that perspective, isn't his birth described that perfectly? Because if Jesus had come to be served, he would not have chose a barn. He would not have chose a manger. He would have chose a palace. We were talking at the first service about the song Silent Night, Holy Night. You know, first off, the birth of Jesus I don't think was silent. I'll give him that it was holy. I don't think it was all calm, and I don't think it was bright. We've been in barns before. They're not well lit. Barns are not calm. It's not silent. That's how he chose to be born. One of us, low of the low. He did not come to be served. He came to serve. That's the first point of Christmas. When you look at that, the baby in the manger, you have to look at that perspective of that's why Christ was here, was to serve. Now, we'll get to the why he came to serve, but let's first talk about his service. Go, if you will, down to John 13 that I had you turn to. John 13. Jesus gives the ultimate example here, other than the cross, of serving in John 13. In John 13, Jesus gets up, to wash feet. Look here in John 13. Let's go ahead and start in verse 4. 
It says he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself, tied the towel around to get ready to clean. Verse 5, after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which with he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Jump ahead a little bit, if you will, to um, verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to him, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If then your Lord... And teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet. And look right here at verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. He is the ultimate example of servanthood. Washing feet was the lowest of the low job back during Bible times. They wore sandals. Everywhere they went, your feet got dirty. They got filthy. So therefore, when you came into a house, if you had servants, the lowest servant's job would be to go wash your feet. Jesus God incarnate, God in the form of man that created the universe, created not only the feet, created the dirt that's on the feet, created the water he's using to wash him with, washes feet. Now that's service. That's servanthood. That is taking the low of the low to say that nothing is below me and I will serve. So the first point of Christmas, the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. He sets the example right here. Now the question comes up that we have to ask ourselves. Well, whose feet do you need to do a better job of washing? Because you're supposed to serve just as I'm supposed to serve. Maybe it's your wife's. Maybe you're not doing a good job of serving at home, and maybe you need to do a better job with your wife. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe you're not willing to serve the way you're supposed to serve, so therefore you're not doing a washing your feet. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you have a neighbor you don't get along with. Maybe a coworker you don't get along with. Christmas is coming up. You guys are going to have extended family get-togethers this week and next week. Maybe there's some extended family member that you just can't stand. Maybe that's the person's feet you need to be washing. Jesus set the example, and he set us that example of servanthood. But yet, what we do as Christians so often is we make excuses and reasons. And, well, I'll do a better job of fill-in-the-blank, being a husband, being a wife, when he or she does a better job first. I'll be a better coworker when my coworkers aren't so rude and nasty. You know what? I'll go up and talk to those extended family members that I don't like, but they need to come to me first and make peace. I'm sorry, but that's not washing feet. That's letting somebody else wash your feet first, and then you say, now I'll return the favor. Jesus said, no, the example I set is you serve first. We have to quit waiting for somebody else to make the first move. A lot of times in marriage counseling, I'm out here at couples, I'll ask a question of who's going to be the mature one? Who's going to be one to step up to the plate first to say, this is not the way I want it to be. I'll make the changes that need to be made. Not because you're making changes, just because God has set the example and I want to do it. Maybe you have coworkers once again, you don't get along with. Who's going to be the one to step up to the plate first and say, you know what, I'm just going to be loving and nice because that's the example that Jesus set, and I'm going to wash feet, I'm going to do that, and that is what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter how other people respond. I'm going to do what's right because it's right. So often in society we live in, we keep saying, well, you do something for me, and then I'll do something for you. Christian love is I'm going to do something for you no matter how you respond. I'm going to keep just doing it. I'm going to keep washing feet because that's the example that Christ set for us. And why was it easy for Jesus to do? Well, we skipped over verse 3, but jump back to verse 3 of John 13. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. 
It was easy for Jesus to wash feet because he knew who he was. He's God. Yeah, he's washing feet down here on earth. All of eternity, he's going to have praise and honor and glory. He's God. He knows who he is. He knows where he's from. He knows where he's going. So therefore, he doesn't worry about the position. He doesn't worry about the prestige. He doesn't worry about getting the respect that he thought he deserved as God because he says, I know who I am. I am God, and so therefore I will wash feet now knowing what the outcome comes. How often, though, are we the opposite way? Well, I don't feel respected in my house. I don't feel respected at work. I feel put down around those people. I feel those people just push me aside. Wait a second. Look at verse 3 one more time. Do you know who you are? If you're born again and saved in Jesus Christ, does it really matter what other people think? You're born again and saved in Christ. You know where you're going. You know the inheritance waiting for you in heaven. You know that you're a child of God. You know you have all of eternity where things are made right. Don't you know some people that live in this world and they can't get past things of this world, of being disrespected, of being offended, of being bothered? They can't move past those things. Therefore, they won't wash feet because they're always upset and bothered about something. And they don't ever stop and look at verse 3 and say, wow, Jesus set the examples of God of what to do. So I can let those things go and realize that it will be made fair. It will be made right for all of eternity. And these 70, 80, 90 years that I have down on this earth are really nothing compared to all of eternity. It's worth it to wash feet. So whose feet do you need to do a better job of washing? Well, once again, for Jesus, that was easy, right? He's God. Well... We have an inheritance coming. We're children of God. For us, shouldn't it be easy for us too? Yeah, but you don't know how hard it is. You don't know who I'm married to. You don't know who I work with. You don't know who I'm going to be seeing this next week. You don't know that far distant cousin that's going to come into my house. and call. You don't know. Well, here's the thing. Jesus washed feet, but he also went one step further and he died on the cross. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. See, Jesus said, I'm not only going to be willing to wash feet, I'm going to be willing to die. That's servanthood. I'm going to be willing to die. And I'm going to do it for joy. Think about what Christ went through on the cross. I know that's not the fun stuff to think about at Christmas. Christmas is always supposed to be the baby in the manger. But just as we said earlier, he was born to die. And so therefore on the cross, Jesus suffered obviously physically more than we can ever imagine. The Bible said he was marred more than any other man. He suffered spiritually, separation from God the Father. He suffered, suffered emotionally. The Bible says that he was in anguish. Now some of you today are that same way. Some of you are suffering physically. There's a constant physical pain in your life. No one understands. Well, Jesus does. Some of you are suffering spiritually. You have been so let down by God. Well, Jesus knows what it feels like to be abandoned by God the Father. And trust me, God's not abandoning you. The Bible says he remains faithful. Maybe you're let down emotionally, you're suffering emotionally. You have so much hurt and pain from relationships, from problems, I don't know. Jesus knows what it's like to anguish. But the Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He says, I can look past the cross, realizing, realizing the joy that comes from having this done to have a relationship with who? You and me. Can you look past the shame, the despising, and the joy that comes after it? Because I always tell everybody, I say, if you can work through this through God's power and strength, the Bible has promised you, He will give you beauty for ashes. 
The Bible promises you he will restore to you the years the locust ate. God has promised you that the suffering that you feel now, he will take care of later on. He'll make sure you're taken care of. He promises you that. He says, just trust me. Do you see the joy that's past the pain of the cross? Jesus had to look that way too. Well, that's the first part of Mark 10, 45. Son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. But the second part is that to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to die. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Can you turn to Exodus 21? Exodus 21. Really neat passage here, and most of the time you don't think of any type of Christmas stuff dealing with the book of Exodus, but there's a really neat picture in here that we want to build on. Exodus 21. As you're going to Exodus 21, Exodus 21 is all about being a bondservant. Back during Old Testament times, if you had debts you couldn't pay, you became a servant. And you served your master for six years. Well, when your six years of service were up, your debts were paid off, you were done after six years. That was the longest it could go. Well, after the end of the six years, as you're going to Exodus 21, after the end of the six years, if you had such a strong relationship with your master that you said, you know what, I don't want to be quote-unquote free. I want to stay with my master and keep serving him. What you would do is you would go over to the door of the doorpost like this over here. Your master would take an awl and, and pierce your ear. And as you would pierce your ear, then when people saw you later on and saw your ear being pierced, they would say, that's a bondservant. That person has willfully chose to stay with their master when they could have had freedom. They're not a slave. They willfully chose to stay with their master because they loved their master, and that's what they chose to do. Well, look here in Exodus 21, verse 2. It says, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years. And the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. Now, if he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But, verse 5, if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. That his master shall bring him to the judges, he shall also bring him to the door, to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. That's what is a bondservant. See, Jesus came to serve. He was a servant. Jesus could have gone out free, couldn't he? He could have been done, just like it says right there in uh, verse 4. He's done. did his time on earth. He could be free. He could have left us high and dry with this sin problem that we would have no idea what to do with. He could have said, you know what? I didn't create this mess. Thousands of years ago, Adam and Eve sinned. You brought sin into your life here. I did not create this. I, it's not my responsibility. I could just be done. It's your sin, your problem. Isn't that the truth? It is our sin. I mean, think of all the verses. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And Romans 4, it says anytime I do something, it's accounted as sin. If I try to do something righteous, if I try to do something right to earn favor with God, God just looks at it and says, James, it's just sin. When you're out there living, James, it's just sin. You, we are just sin. The Bible says there's nothing good in us. In fact, Jesus, he even goes one step further in the book of John, if you're taking notes, John 8, 34. He comes right out and tells us there in John 8, 34. He says, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. 
That's what it is. We're slaves to sin. There's nothing that we could do to take care of this sin problem. And if Jesus would have left us high and dry at the garden before the cross, we'd still be in this sin problem. Well, this is how Jesus then became the bondservant. Because in verse 5 he says, I love my master. That's God the Father. He goes, I love my wife. Ephesians 5 says, you and I are the bride of Christ. And he goes, and my children. The Bible says we're children of God. He goes, I will not go out free. What did the bondservant have to do if he wanted to stay? The bondservant had to be what? Pierced. What happened to Jesus on the cross? He was pierced. Jesus became a bondservant for us because I love my master. He loved God the Father, and he was willing to do what God the Father said. He goes, I love my wife, you and I. I love my kids, you and I. He goes, I could leave this world free. I could just be done. I could let the cross go. I'm not willing to do that. I'm willing to go out and be pierced because I want to serve, and I want to serve God and bring my family with me. That's you and I. So when it comes to Christmas, we see service, but we also see death because that's what Christ wanted. In fact, and you have to turn there, but in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So when you read about a bondservant, Christ is the bondservant. He came on Christmas born to die. He said in verse 5, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my kids. I'm not going out free. I'm going to be pierced because I want them. That's what he did for you and I. That's what Christmas is about. It's to realize that Jesus came onto this earth to not only serve, but to serve by dying. And that's exactly what he did. Well, just as we can learn from Christ washing feet, what can we learn about being a bondservant? Well, this is where it gets tough. And some of you may not like what's going to be said here, but one of the greatest gifts that God has given you and I is free will. With free will, I can choose to serve God or I can choose to not serve God. See, with the servant, he did his six years. He's done. He can go. Oh, let's say he got married during those six years. He's got kids. He can be free. He's done. No harm, no foul. Go ahead and get out of here. Isn't that the way it is today? You're free. You don't have to be here. You can go. You know what? You don't have to get up tomorrow morning. You don't have to pray. You don't have to read your Bible. Husbands, you don't have to love your wife and respect her. You don't have to. Wives, you don't have to love and respect your husbands. You don't have to respect your boss. You don't have to be nice to your friends. You don't have to do any of that. You're free to do what you want. Now, there's consequences, obviously. But the truth of the matter is, you are free. I've seen it in marriages where people just want to be free. They want to be done. They're tired of the pain, the hurt, the whatever. I'm ready to be out here. I'm ready to be done. Well, you're free. You can leave. There's consequences to those actions, but you're free. I'm tired of that job. You're free. Go. Tired of that church. Free. Go. But here's the thing. Jesus set the example for us to say, you know what? Put it in this order. Verse 5, do you love your master? Do you love God? If you love God, you're willing to stay where God says stay. You're willing to go where God says go. All of us at certain times and areas of our life have wanted to jump ship. 
and ministry and marriage and jobs and life, we all, we've all wanted to just be done. Well, we're free. Well, but as a bondservant, I love my master, I love God. So God, what do you want me to do? See, a lot of times people call me up and they'll ask me, saying, here's the situation going on, and this is what I want to do. What do you think? Generally, my first response is, well, have you prayed about it? What does God think? Because my opinion doesn't matter. The opinion that matters is God's. Do you love your master as a bondservant to say, Lord, I want what you want? For those in a difficult marriage right now, look at the next one, my wife. What about husband, wife? Do you love your wife, your covenant? Do you love your husband, your covenant, to say, okay, I'm staying. I'm going to work this out here. Or my children. Okay, I'm going to stay. I'm going to try to work this out. I'm going to take the piercing because I want to stay. Yeah, I'm free, but I want to stay and work this out. Are we going to put the effort into that? What about your walk with the Christ? Some people don't have a walk with Christ. They have a crawl. Are you willing to stay and keep working at it? Are you willing to say, okay, Lord, I love my master. I'm going to be the bondservant. Pierce me. I want to stay. It's hard. It's difficult, but I want to stay. Some of you may be in a ministry right now where you just want to give up, and you're just praying and pleading, God, give me the green light to go. And he's not. Do you love your master enough to say, okay, I'm going to take the piercing and stay here because as a bondservant, I'm going to go where God goes, stay where God says stay, and do what God says to do. I'm not going to run. I'm going to stay and serve because it's what's right. And as I stay and serve, I'm not going to stay and serve and look for somebody to wash my feet. I'm going to say, whose feet can I wash? How can I be a better spouse rather than focusing on what they need to change? How can I be a better friend instead of saying, well, look at everybody treats me? How can I try to find a way to be a better co-worker to that boss that is difficult? Lord, I want to be a bond servant. I want to be pierced. I want to stay. I want to serve because I love my master. And Jesus set the example for us. He says, I'm going to wash feet. I'm going to take the piercing because I'm willing to do it for you. So the question comes up, what about you? What about me? Are we staying or are we going? See, I want to be the bondservant. I want to stay. I want to stay and say, okay, Lord, you're my master. You know what's best for me. I I don't want to carry this burden of sin anymore because you know what? I have a debt that can't be paid. I have wages of sin that can't be taken care of. But God says, I'll take care of it for you because I'm the bondservant. This is what I want to finish with. Turn to Romans chapter 6, if you would, please. Romans 6. Romans 6 does a nice job of finishing us up, of telling us about the free will choice that we have. Romans 6. Let's look at verse 616. Excuse me, verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? Okay, right there, it's simple. You're going to be a slave to something. You're either a slave to God, a bondservant to the Lord because of the righteousness of Christ, or you're a slave to sin. Now, I always find it very funny when people in the world tell me that they're a slave to no man and they're their own free person. Now, they're a slave to lusts. They're a slave to desires. They're a slave to whatever lust or passion or sin that they have that they know is wrong. They're a slave to that. That's the way the world does it. It enslaves you in sin. And Paul comes around and says, you're a slave. Either a slave of God, a bondservant following him, or you're a slave to sin. Verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to whom you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became 
slaves of righteousness. You became the bondservant to the Lord because Christ set the example. Because jump now, look at verse 21. What fruit did you have then in those things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of God and you have your fruit to holiness and the end to everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's exactly why we're here today. That's Christmas. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mark 10, 45. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He washed feet. We need to wash feet. He was obedient to the cross to see the joy past it. I'm going to be obedient in sufferings too because I see the greater joy after it. He became the bondservant, Philippians 2. And as the bondservant, he said, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my kids. I'm staying because I love them. God says, can you be that same bondservant? Can you say, Lord, I love you enough to stay and serve wherever you've called me? Because no matter what, I'm going to be a slave to something. I'm either a slave to the world and sin, or I'm a slave to the righteousness of God. And I tell you, if that's the choices, I know where I want to be with that. And so as you celebrate Christmas this year, don't lose the fact of the beautiful story of the baby and the manger and Mary and Joseph. It is a beautiful story. But also as you look at that, don't forget what it really means. Mark 10, 45. Jesus came to serve and to die. And that's love. And Christmas is just the first step in the process of our eternal life. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture. So, Tim and Kelly here, if you want to come forward for the final song. Appreciate you guys coming out today. If I don't get a chance to talk to